It is uh, Tuesday, April the 5th, and that is actually the date. <laughs> Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, our AFL podcast. I am Will Anderson. I'm Charlie Clawson. And thanks for, thanks for being here. It's, we've survived the, the inaugural... But it's got to be an annual event, obviously. This is our big match. Uh, the two guys, one cup, cup. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to get a bit of heat going for it online with a couple of hashtags. So I also thought it'd be two guys, one showdown, two guys, one derby, two guys, one derby, depending on what part of Australia you're from. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's one of those things where probably only after two podcasts of a podcast most people doesn't know is happening. It's hard to get a lot of heat for your special day. But by next year, I really will. I feel like we will have built towards it yeah definitely definitely well let's get uh straight into it because the first game of uh of round two had everything you could want when you realized the two teams that were playing it was collingwood versus richmond and for anyone who didn't see it richmond were 21 points up i think at one stage with 10 minutes to go and then managed to be so richmondy over the next 10 minutes that collingwood kicked a goal with like eight seconds to go to win the game i mean no other team but Richmond could do it. Sometimes you've got to look at the beauty of Richmond and the drama they will bring to a game like that because there are rare other teams in the league that could lose it from there. But Richmond can. They have that special ability to lose at any stage. You could be 150 points up and go, you know what, we're still a chance. There's three minutes to go. We could lose this. <laughs> the thing about watching that game was it made me believe that maybe Richmond have mastered, like, if not time travel, then time manipulation – because you could just see the car crash happening in slow motion. Like, even when they got, like, that 21 points in front and Revolt was, like, you know, a live wire, it's like, okay, great. This is all you need to do is just, like, go man on man, get Revolt one out, he's on fire. But they didn't. They just, they shat themselves. And they started, like, kicking backwards and just not sticking to the team plan. It was just, like, you could see it happening. Like, I, I just, I knew they were going to lose in my bones. I think it's the AFL thing. You know, this year the big thing is that Gillan McLaughlin, the head of the AFL, has said to everybody, hey, we want attractive football in the league this year and the coaches have a responsibility for it to be attractive football. Now, some of the coaches have interpreted that as being, oh, we're going to kick over 100 points. We're going to be, you know, an attractive team to watch. But maybe Richmond have gone a step further and gone, you know what people really love in footy? Close matches, unexpected wins, shock results. That's what people really wanted a game, and maybe they're going with that. Maybe Richmond are the M. Night Shyamalan of the AFL. They, they, they want you to think a game is going one way, but at the end, there's just going to be a dramatic twist. But the twist is always the same twist. It is like M. Night yeah, right. Shyamalan. <laughs> the twist is always, and by the way, we're Richmond. <laughs> Yeah, but the great thing about Richmond, their great appeal is that they can make us forget their Richmond right up until that last moment, and we all suddenly <laughs> believe again. And Collingwood, we mentioned it in the show last week. If there's one thing you can rely on Collingwood to do, it's when the backs against the walls have had a week of bad press, they always come out and have these inspirational victories. It's kind of weird. I don't know if it's because they get so many numbers and who come out and support when the team's sort of getting batted around in the press, but they always seem to win these games. I think it's because so many of them have had experience in prison. 
And that's a real prison way of, you know, defending things. You know, when you get into the yard, when you've been beaten down, the next time you go out in the yard, if you get beaten down again, you're everybody's bitch for the entire time. But Collingwood, no, they've been inside. They've got some players who've been inside. I mean, here's the thing. Up against Richmond, they should have got that Dustin Martin inside knowledge. You know, that he could have told them as well what you meant to do in prison from his family. And they really could have belted it out. But uh, that's what Collingwood do best. I was just watching uh, online because um, it's the 50th anniversary of, of the St Kilda Collingwood Grand Final in 66. They got this uh, retrospective documentary and they're interviewing all the players about what it was like to play at Victoria Park, Collingwood's home ground in the 60s. And they had this little animatic because they don't have any footage of it at the time. But as the opposing team would come out of the race, which was like this kind of uh, you know fence-wiring little corridor, the Collingwood fans <laughs> would stick their umbrellas through the holes in the fence and stab the players as they were going through. One of the players said, it was like you were like going out to fight like a lion or something. You're just getting jabbed with these sharp objects on the way to play a game of footy. Well, essentially, it's like a, a Batman plot, basically, because it's like you're being attacked by the penguin and his minions with all their umbrellas. <laughs> what I love about Collingwood, too, is I was having uh, breakfast in Collingwood this morning because Collingwood, the team, have this reputation as being, you know, nasty. And it was there at the, you know, the game on the weekend. They had, there was a co- the Collingwood fans who had the, you know, no mosques banner at the football yeah, yeah. Uh, which I love also had the pies logo on the banner you've got to love that they combined the two they're like we'll still get go pies underneath our racial hatred yeah. banner that we've got up there and but Collingwood itself the suburb now is such a groovy hipster gentrified mm. suburb but there's no real connection between like I was having breakfast this morning at this little groovy cafe in Collingwood and uh, Marcus Bontempelli from my team, the Bulldogs, Bont was having breakfast there this morning. So I saw him and said day, and uh, I didn't wait around to see what he was eating. I was tempted just to make sure he was, you know, but he seemed very confident. No pancakes. No pancakes. <laughs> He's just eating cake for breakfast. I'm like, okay, you guys are too cocky. <laughs> you know what? Eat what you bont. Eat what, eat, eat what you bont. That's what I say to him. Uh, yeah, but that um, racial hatred banner was a big thing as well. Did you see any of that? I didn't see it live, but I obviously saw afterwards. It was just, um, it's just uh, Australian or the AFL with the Adam Goods thing and now this. It's like, uh, it just makes our game look shit. It really does. Like what I love about AFL and I've always loved about AFL is I've always felt it's very inclusive. Like, you know, you go to an, an AFL game and you'll see like an equal proportion of men and women. You'll see like kids. You'll see like, you know, uh, just a really diverse uh, a slice of the community. And I guess, well, maybe that's what happens when you have a very diverse game is and you get all viewpoints. But I just think it's it doesn't reflect the game, the experience I have at the game. Well, the other thing about it is we are one of the only sports in the entire world that like the fans can sit together in such a tribal sport you know there's no fences between the crowds there's no segregation you know you'll you'll see people walk to the game you'll see a guy who's a Richmond fan and a woman who's a Collingwood fan hand in hand on the way to the game and I think it's one of the most amazing things about the game the thing that annoys me the most is you're allowed to believe whatever you want you're allowed to have whatever political opinions that you want to have and I've even heard the argument you know that the AFL has its own political agenda which is fair enough they have a um, you know a, a gay round they have an indigenous Round, they do highlight some things that people would find political. But the perspective I always put, like, look at that from is the players of the game, that's their workplace. And we have players in that game who are gay. We have players in that game who are indigenous. We have players in that game. In fact, 
almost 10% of the players in the game are Indigenous. There is probably no other industry in Australia that has a 10% of Indigenous people playing in such a high-paid job of any kind, but any other job where Indigenous people can be the leaders of the game and be paid all this money. It should be something that they're very proud of, the multiculturalism of the game. But I feel like it's unfair on someone like Bashahuli, who is a Muslim who plays for Richmond, if he's at the game and people are yelling out racial things or putting up racial banners. It's not about people not being able to have their free speech. To me, it's about he's, he's at his workplace. And if you went to your workplace and you know, that sort of thing happened in your workplace, it just wouldn't be appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Should we move on to uh, the showdown in Adelaide, where this is an interesting result. As Adelaide Crows obviously uh, played Port Adelaide, and the Crows absolutely thumped them. Oh, so good, the Crows. And f- for everyone now, it's like, shit, was Port Adelaide, was just like, was that an aberration? Did we overrate them? They had such a good year two years ago. Last year was a bit disappointing. They beat St Kilda, who obviously after round two we know probably aren't as highly ranked as some people think. So where do you put Port now? Okay, the first thing is I think Port had this run-and-gun style of footy way before everybody else did. And now everybody else has kind of catch, caught up to that. So then it's about who executes that style of game better, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think there's that. But I also think Adelaide are just great. Like, they they have guns everywhere. Like, I mean, Eddie Betts... I don't know if you saw that that, that uh, uh, hit the point that was going to... The point, it hit the post. But he put it between mm. his legs on the ground, ran further towards the boundary line and kicked it on his wrong foot like he was like, I'm just going to win myself a car. I've played so well this game, the only thing it would make better is if I could drive home in a brand new car. Did you know that Tommy Lynch, the, the forward for the, for the Crows, used to play for St Kilda? Yeah. And it's amazing to see the play he's become. It's really great. It, it just puts a big... <laughs> Big smile on my face that, you know, a guy we only put three or four years into was able to blossom at another club. Um, it's funny to see him play for the Crows now is, I get, he was always, he always had big raps on him. I think he was a first round draft pick, but the knock on him was he always, always quite slow. He wasn't quite big enough to be Kurt Tippett slow, but he was about as slow as Kurt Tippett. And then um, it's that classic example of maybe just a change of environment is what a player needs. He was just lucky that he was only, I think, four or five games into his career before he switched ships, so he hadn't like, spent too long. But fuck, he's a good forward now. Like, he's actually quite an underrated forward. Is that sort of, you know, mid-forward mid player. He's amazing. I also think it's that thing that he's, he's surrounded by a bunch of other people. He doesn't have to do the job himself. Because you've got Tex Walker down there. You've got Eddie Betts down there. There was someone else. Oh, Jenkins, who's kicking a bunch of goals as well. So suddenly you've got that sort of uh, Gunston, Bruce, you know, third or fourth forward sort of role. And you can get under people's radars and carve them up. I reckon Adelaide are going to be pretty good. They play an exciting brand of football. I, I like the way they play. Can we talk about beards? Do Port Adelaide have too many beards? I mean, I think that, that is maybe their problem. <laughs> like and and you know what it is because when it's Port Adelaide, the the beard's kind of a hipster, but are really kind of mm. a bit bush ranger as well. Like there's not that quite hipstery thing. Yeah, is it? Are they Port Adelaide or are they Kings of Leon? Right, you can't work it out. <laughs> All right, here's a quick question. Tell me this, and uh, we'll run through. We'll yeah. run. Th- we'll have to run through them really quickly. But if uh, Port Adelaide are the Kings of Leon, what are each club as a band? If you had to like name them, so uh, what are the Saints if they were a band? How would you describe them? Oh, the Saints would be like a Tex Perkins band, like the Dirty Three or, or something <laughs> like that. Like a band that's kind of you know has had some highlights right. but never really got to the success. 
uh, of other bands. Yeah, they should have been bigger. Who would? Yeah, who would the Bulldogs be? Uh, well, the Bulldogs have got like I guess they're there's lots of them who are good. So I imagine, and they're all young. So I think they're more like um, you know that choir that used to sing in Qantas ads. The Australian, <laughs> and they just fly them all over the world, and they'd sing the national anthem on things. I reckon that's what the Bulldogs are. Yeah, I feel like West Coast are like Justin Bieber, just like manufactured, obviously good at what he does, but you just fucking like hate them. You can't, you, you, you don't, you don't, you're not happy for their success. You resent it, like Justin Bieber. And I reckon that uh, Fremantle are like in excess now, right? <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, you just went a little bit too long, and now it's going to get really weird. <laughs> All right. I can't be bothered doing any more. No, that names. was enough. Um, okay. You, uh, the next uh, game. If you want to tweet us, though, Please. you can tweet us with the hashtag two guys, one cup AFL, and uh, you can tell us what, what teams you think are what bands. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Awesome. We're trending on social media. Uh, Essendon versus Melbourne. Now, I just want to say, before we decided to do the podcast when we were sort of talk about talking about doing a football podcast i think i was around at your place and we're talking about what essendon were going to do how because they didn't have any players and i was like they're going to get smashed i just couldn't imagine how they're going to win a game and you were like no 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 they'll win a few games they'll win more than carlton so i had to call vaughn immediately and tell him what you said <laughs> <laughs> i didn't do that but fuck man you were right like they only used four top-up players and they were able to beat Melbourne, who last week looked really good. Uh, yeah, but here's the thing you're not taking into consideration, Charlie. We've seen the press this week. It turns out that the Melbourne players got big heads. They got ahead of themselves. And, you know, because they're a team that had won one in a row. And for Melbourne fans, <laughs> you get a bit cocky when you've won one in a row. They haven't won two in a row. Yeah. Like, for a decade, basically, and they got cocky yeah. after barely falling yeah. across the line in the first game of the year. They win, they win round one, and then they had a mad money. Right. <laughs> yeah, Paul Ruse knew a couple of them uh, didn't have their minds on the game when they rocked up uh, dressed as the St Kilda schoolgirl and Ricky Nixon on the Monday <laughs> morning. Going, what? Come on, guys. What? <laughs> uh, it was one of those weird games, a bit like the Richmond one, where... Uh, Melbourne got up, and you, you sort of felt like Melbourne should win, but then it's almost—it's a weird thing to say, but the longer the game goes on where the team hasn't put the other team away, the greater the pressure builds on the team that should be putting the other team away, and Melbourne just, they seem vulnerable the whole time. Like, it, it was the Mighty Ducks. Like, you could sense that the underdog was kind of gaining in confidence, and, I mean, the other thing is they had a, a few players just fucking take, you know, that next step. Like, Joe Danaher played the kind of game that I think Every opposition supporter is terrified of seeing Joe Danaher play where he just fucking flew and took everything. And he's got that gangly, classic schoolboy centre-half forward body. He's, you know, he hasn't put on any muscle yet. He's like a, a, he's like a jumping spider, like a camel spider. <laughs> no, I, I loved uh, Joe Danaher's game because he marked everything. He kicked two goals, four points, and I think two or three out on the full. It was like seeing a young Richo. I was like, this is really young Richo, you know? If he just starts pointing at other people and blaming them for his problems, this is like Richo's come back into the game. So I love that. And, yeah. and I love that Essendon got good value out of like Darcy Parrish looks like he's going to be a really good player and stuff. But you said Mighty Ducks. I reckon they're actually the Mighty Ducks too. Because you've got basically the original, the leftover Mighty Ducks, but those few top up players 
uh, when they had to represent you know, America at the, uh, the Olympics or at the World Hockey or whatever the conceit of that movie was. Was it the second Mighty Ducks where there's like the tomboy girl? The girl is like, you know, don't treat me like I'm a girl. I can skate and play hockey as good as you guys. Yeah, they should have... So which top, they, which top up player is that? Uh, no, I think it, we, Ryan Crowley. They, it's Ryan Crowley. <laughs> they should have gone a step further. They should have got the best female player in the female league and put her on the list. Yeah, that's a, that's a bloody heartwarming story. Who doesn't want that team to win? Right. If they had a female player playing every week, they would be the Cinderella story. Uh, but yeah, that was really, that was a, I mean, good on them. I, I enjoyed watching that and I have got no real joy out of Essendon for a fair while, but I, I thought it was a really good story. Joe Danaher's head. Oh, yeah. Is it too small? I mean, for what? I don't know. <laughs> just like propor- pro- proportionally. <laughs> I mean, it's only going to look smaller as he gets bigger because that's the thing. He's going to yeah. get big. Maybe that's why he hasn't put on all that weight yet. He's like, have you seen how tiny my head is? It already looks tiny. Yeah. What if I get really massive? It's going to ha- look like I have a tiny little pinhead. If you painted him blue, he would look like one of the cat people from Avatar. <laughs> He kind of jumped. He should be pl- he should be playing for Geelong. <laughs> um, the other big story out of that game uh, was the body language of your favourite player, Jesse Hogan. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. Um, I, wh- a lot of remonstrating, a lot of non-contesting, a lot of telling his captain where he should be kicking the ball to. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, when like you love someone as much as Jesse Hogan, you almost already know that at some stage he's going to do something that makes you not love him. You know, he's just got that about him. You're like, and, uh, oh, look, I mean, it must be frustrating playing down on the Melbourne forward line, though. They weren't kicking it in properly and those sort of things. And, you know, there's all these stories still. He hasn't signed his contract and I don't know. Like, I mean, you wouldn't want to go to Frio, though, because like, that was the big rumour that he was going to go back home and he was going to end up at Frio. But you wouldn't want to end up at Frio now, would you? Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't think Frio. Look, Frio are having a bad start to the year, but they've still got a really good coach. They've still got a really good core of players in that kind of right age. They're going to have to replace Matthew Pavlich. I reckon like Jesse Hogan could be the injection, you know, of like youth and vitality they need in that forward line. Pav's not even playing that bad. He's being Pav, but um, you know, I think Jesse Hogan it would be a good mix. Chance for him to start again. I don't know. To be honest. I think, how old is he? Isn't he like 19 or 20 or something? Yeah. You see a lot of players that young be quite emotional, like not being able to, you know, their body language isn't right on the field. You know what I mean? Like, the, I guess they sort of, nowadays it's less and less because they're more professional. But like even Stevie J, like he's the master of like poor body language. <laughs> like he, he virtually takes out like a deck chair and just like sits in the forward pocket if he doesn't get a kick in the first two quarters. And and you're right about the fact that he's 19 years old. I remember when I was at uni when I was 19 years old and I ended up uh, missing out on the class that I wanted. So I had to go to uni at eight o'clock on a Monday morning. And I reckon I cried for a week. So you know what? Maybe he's just 19 and he's got a lot of emotions and he can't control them. Did you uh, see that Matthew Lloyd recommended he should be dropped? Yeah, well, I mean, no. It's Matthew Lloyd. (laughs) Sorry, Lloydie, but no, you're wrong. I don't don't think that's the case. I think they've got a lot more problems than Jesse Hogan. And and plus, he's a big forward. Some weeks you're going to have, you know, I mean, we've seen it with all the greatest forwards in the game. Like some weeks you just don't get a lot of kicks, particularly early on. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing about uh, a player like that is because the thing you love about him is the thing that's going to bring in the negative attention as well. You know, like he doesn't mind being in the public spotlight and stuff. So there's always going to be a focus on him. And then 
he plays a game like that, which every young player does, and he's probably going to cop it worse than the you know the players that don't go caught in the spotlight. Okay, the next game, sorry, my iPad stuck, uh, was Brisbane versus North Melbourne. Now, I've watched two Brisbane games so far this yep. year, which is probably more than I've watched in the last five, and I don't think they're as bad as what everyone's saying is. They're not getting like. They're staying in games. They're losing by, you know, six goal margins and stuff. But they're just, they've got injuries and stuff. They're not, I don't think that Leopard's doing a bad job. They just, they just need some luck. I agree with you. Like, I reckon if you're a Brisbane fan, like I didn't see the first game, but I watched uh, the whole North Melbourne Brisbane game and I loved them. I love the way they played. They've got a bunch of new kids who are really, you know, kind of exciting. They have kind of a, like a mosquito fleet. They don't, there's, there, you know, there's some, Bad decisions happening down in the back line and stuff, but they play with a sort of spirit and a verve and stuff that I think if you're a Brisbane fan, you'd have a lot of fun following them this season. I think they'll have a crack pretty much most, most weeks. But North get it done. Like, I know that I haven't been quite convinced on North Melbourne, but they do get it done. What North have now are, a, you know, like a couple of sort of match-winning players. Like, Jared White, even though he can be inconsistent, like, he's that dude who only needs to pop up for one quarter and kick his three goals or whatever. And he's, and he's done the work. And they just have a few more players like that, like um, Daniel Wells is playing good footy again and um, Lindsay, Lindsay Thomas is always a danger. But you're right. They don't, you see North play and then you watch a supercharged game like you know Hawthorne or Sydney, a really muscular kind of team. North don't quite have that. They're kind of like if you know, Hawthorne and, and Sydney are like you know, sports cars – they're like a fairly decent, you know, V6. <laughs> you know, on the right track, they could probably keep up. They could, you know, they could probably, like, uh, you know, they could, they could probably get a win, but they don't look like the same quality of, of machine that the, the, the top two teams are. Yeah, uh, Jared Waite has started this season amazingly. Like, I mean, he's in a rare bit of form, I think, for Jared Waite. I thought he was really impressive on the weekend. Yeah, and Wells is great, and Boomer's still good, and yeah, there's plenty to like about him, and I love that um, Ferrito still plays. Because he looks like one of those players that we haven't seen since the 1970s. You know? Mm. It's just it's that sort of thing of going, he just looks like a 1970s footballer. He plays like a 1970s footballer. Like, he, they call him Spud, and I reckon he reminds me a bit of, like, Danny Frawley, like, in the way that he goes about it, you know? Punching from behind and trying to clip someone on the head while you punch it. And, you know, it's still a bit of old-school footy. You actually hit the nail on the head there. It's like Ferrito is kind of like the – he sums up that team. They are like an old-fashioned 70s kind of team. You know what I mean? There's no, like, super jets, but they're all really sturdy, dependent, like cars from the 70s. <laughs> you know what I mean? North Melbourne, <laughs> the vintage car of the AFL. That's your new slogan. All right. You can have that, JB. That's, uh, that, that's my gift to you. All right. The uh, next game, we can just brush over fairly quickly. It's the two guys, one cup cup, the uh, St Kilda Western Bulldogs. It wasn't a very good game. Next game after that was, oh, sorry, Will, did you want to say something about that game? Uh, well, what do you, no, tell, tell us what you thought first. What, what, how did you see St Kilda's uh, game? Incredibly disappointing. It was kind of weird. Like, uh, you took so much heart out of the, the, the week before. And um, they just, I don't know, they just, they just never seemed in it. I actually... I'm surprised we didn't lose by more. Like in the second and the third quarters, I think the Bulldogs had like, you know, over 12 shots at goal each quarter. So if you guys had kicked straighter, it probably would have been a lot uglier. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think every sort of Saints fan just felt a bit deflated after that because it was, 
last year we beat you and then the second game you beat us by a kick. So we probably would have thought that we're a lot closer to the Bulldogs, but I think it just sort of <laughs> highlighted what the, the chasm is now. So, yeah, I mean, Rui played a good game. I mean, as good as anyone could play, kicked two goals, had 23 touches, you know. I mean, I was happy for him. But just overall, it was a bit of a, a lacklustre effort. I enjoyed the pre-game with Rui. I thought all that stuff was really cool. And I liked that um, yeah. they honoured him really well. And I thought the crowd did a really good job with that. And the, I loved that they gave him a big guard of honour and stuff like that. It seemed like a really, everybody was on, like, you know, his side. And did, yeah. did you see when he ran with his kid through the banner? And then his kid, like, he tried to hand off the kid. And the kid was not letting go. The kid, and it's all, and it's all on camera. Like the kid was basically going to tag Rui for the rest of the game <laughs> and was going to cry. And he's trying to hand, and the kid's like, nah, I'm not having this. It's either you or mum. I'm out in the middle of 40,000 people. I am freaking out because I'm a kid and I don't understand anything that's going on. And if you give me to a stranger right now and he was going to have to do it, like all the cameras were trained on him. And I'm like, is he about to make his baby cry a heap? Like, on national TV before he goes out for this important football game. So that was pretty great. I did enjoy that. Did you uh, get a close look at the kids' hands? Because uh, father-son, what first one we've had in a while. Mate, that kid can tackle, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Rui couldn't shake him. Rui tried to give him a, like, gave him a little, like, shimmy on the upper body, trying to shake him off and hand him off. But this kid was, like, super glue, like, stuck to him. Yeah. It was really impressive. Did you sense there was a bit of a subtext in the, in the lead up to the game, uh, they interviewed Bob Murphy. They must have interviewed Bob at the captain's day and got his thoughts on Rui and stuff. And Bob being Bob, he's always, you know, really eloquent, really nice and sort of said, you know, how much admiration he has for him and stuff. And then after the game, Bob, you know, organized the guard and they interviewed Bob and he said some more nice things. I'm like, are you in love with him, Bob? I think you might be in love with him. Apparently they're really great mates. I didn't know that until this Did week. Did you know but that? No, no but. It- but yeah, but it came up. I was watching AFL 360 during the week and Bob was, eulo- yeah, not eulogizing, but whatever he was, uh, he was speaking very nicely about Rui's career, but also, you know, him as a bloke. And then it was referenced, oh, they're really, really close mates. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Like they roomed together on some international trip or something and bonded. That's a sitcom I want to see. <laughs> Rui and Bob, <laughs> you know, you've got. Rui, who's kind of like the straight-laced, overachieving, you know, and then you got Bob, who's more the, like the laid-back, happy-go-lucky kind of guy. Like, that's that's definitely a sitcom, Rui and Bob. The Rui and Bob show. Uh, AFL's odd couple. Yeah, whack them in a house <laughs> for their last couple of seasons. And oh, I also loved, on AFL 360, you'll love this, um, they were auctioning off some stuff for Maddie's Vision, you know, his sister's uh, you yeah. know, charity, and the guy who was the winning guy, this guy, has uh, Gavin, his name was, I remember it because he spelled it weird, he spelled it G-A-V-A-N, but um, Gavin uh, donated $15,000, and he said that they would roll that donation over, 15000 to the charity, for every season that Rui kept playing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so you've got to get on that. You've just got to blackmail him in to keep playing for another five years. A couple of years ago, um, I was down in Melbourne for the Good Friday Appeal and I was doing the hospital visit and um, one of the volunteers showing us around was this gorgeous uh, girl from Texas and we were talking and, and she was just sort of telling me when she'd come to Melbourne and she was like seeing this guy who lived here and something sort of twigged in me and I was like, oh, is, is he a footballer? And she said, yeah, he's uh, Nick Revolt, the captain of St Kilda. And I kind of just like sort of froze <laughs> on the spot and I said to her, 
Look, I just need to tell you, I'm a bit of a St Kilda tragic, and I just think your husband is one of the greatest uh, people you know that's ever been to the club, and he's done so much for us. And I was there in '09, and he so heroically played through that injury. He took that huge mark right in front of me, but oh, you know, just uh, he's just done so much, and she was so kind. I guess she's been talking to like sick kids all day. She was like, "Oh, it's okay. I'm so sorry. You're a St Kilda supporter." I'm like, "No, don't, don't tell, don't be sorry for me. Be sorry for your husband. I mean, he was there. He was the he was the captain, but oh." You know, it just it means so much to me. It means so much. She was so lovely about it. The fact that she didn't call security, you know, really touched me. Um, they did this amazing thing pre-game. Did you see it where he was mic'd up and he did the interview with the team while he was out there on the ground doing his warm-ups? And it was, no, oh, I didn't see that. If you, if you get to see it anywhere, I highly recommend it. It's one of those things where you love when you get proper access. There's two this week that I saw. One was when Marcus Adams from the Bulldog, who's just been like, that's what you love when your club is just able to find some guy who's 22 years old and he comes in and he looks like he's played 150 games of AFL. He's just yeah. like awesome. And uh, they did a thing where they had it all mic'd up when Luke Beveridge broke to Marcus Adams that he was going to play his first game. And I was watching it on the footy show and I like... You because he was just so happy, like he didn't expect it was going to happen, and like Bevo sat him down and gone, "You've done been nothing but professional. You've set an example for everyone." Because you can see at the start, he almost looks like he thinks he's about to get in trouble for something. And Rowan Smith takes him <laughs> into the meeting, and Bevo's been so serious and so like full on about it. And he goes, "So I just want to tell you, you're going to be playing your first game of AFL football on the weekend." And then he just kind of starts to be fumbly for words, like, "Oh, I really thought it'd take until look, you know, I'm just going to get out there and cement myself a." place in the to, and then he when he walks out of the room like because up until then he's trying to keep it a bit professional but then you just see the smile break on his face and his eyes light up and I was sitting on the couch crying it was awesome <laughs> but the other end of that was what Rewalt did which I thought was amazing was so when they're doing their pre-game warm-ups you know doing all those kicking drills or mm. the like you know warm-ups with their legs and all that sort of stuff he was mic'd and doing the interview during doing that and the most impressive <laughs> So A, he was a bit puffed when he was doing it, but the thing that, but the thing that impressed, it was a little sexy. You would have liked it because he just was he like slightly yeah. heavy breathing as he was saying the things about how much he loved Robert Harvey and, you know, Stewie Lowe and stuff. So you would have. <laughs> oh my God. Stop it. Bill. Stop it. I'm getting aroused. <laughs> yeah. And, but the thing that it was amazing me was I'd never really thought about before how much those drills they do at the start, they must just know completely back to front because he wasn't having to be told or called or whatever. They just knew, go to this guy, wave your leg four times, split off, you know, do this thing with the ball. Like he was running along, you know, tossing the ball to other people, catch, you know, marking himself, all that stuff while doing the interview. It was really impressive. I really liked it. I thought it was a real cool thing they did. Uh, so what about the Bulldogs, mate? Jeez, you look bloody good. You look really good. I mean, you know, it's funny. Look, I don't put a lot of stock in Matthew Lloyd's opinion, but he and I share the same opinion on this, which is that the blend that the Bulldogs have right now is really, really good. They just seem to have players inside, outside, tall and small that you can rely on. It's He actually, he said that you're the real deal. So I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> don't expect to win another game for the season. No, it's okay. Robert Walls didn't say it. That's the kiss of death. Um, uh, it's... Well, here's the thing. I didn't think St Kilda were as bad as you thought St Kilda were because looking at the the game style the Bulldogs want to play, um, St Kilda really made it messy for the Bulldogs. So even though the Bulldogs were trying to implement that sort of running style, 
it was much harder to break through than what happened against Frio because the Saints are good at getting in the mess in the middle of that. And I think a lot of those missed goals and missed handballs and kicks weren't just because the Bulldogs, Bulldogs weren't quite on as much as the week before. But I actually think it was that extra pressure from the Saints and they looked like they'd hurt us a bit on the turnover a bit more than Frio did at the start. And it was only that sort of relentless pressure. But it is that, I mean, the depth. That's the amazing thing. You look at this, like six or seven guys in the twos that are all, you know, decent enough players if they came into that team and played a role. But it's a great time to get Hawthorne because we're about to find out where we're at. Because despite how well we played last year, Hawthorne towed us up both times and made us look like amateurs both times, I think. Uh, I certainly one of them was a real big win. And I think that we're going to see. And when I saw Bont this morning, like I talked to him a little about the Hawthorne game and he agreed that he was really exciting that Hawthorne are back and they're in good form because they want to really challenge themselves and see where they're at, you know, in this stage. So, and he was kind of, he was, he was feeling confident enough. So that would seem like a good sign. You know what? Last week I was really excited because it's the first week of the, you know, the season and it's just like, oh, it's yeah. great to have hope. You're like, oh, okay, maybe this will be great. Now suddenly I'm getting that returning dread of like, oh, it's too good to be true. It's going to break my heart. Don't get your hopes up too much. <laughs> Don't get them up. Don't believe that this could be the year. Could this be the year? Don't believe it. Don't believe it. It's hurt you so many other times before and we're only two games in. Just have realistic expectations of where this is going. This could be the year. We're so good. They're all so good. We've got like 15 great players who are out there every... Oh, God, It's is this the year? Am I finally going to be happy? Please don't die before Anyway, I'm having a lot of emotions right now, Charlie. <laughs> Another prediction we made about the game uh, was that Sean Dempster would go to Jake Stringer and, and keep him pretty quiet, and I thought he did a good job. He actually kind of... I mean, he's, Stringer still kicked two goals, but he wasn't that kind of... Um, he, you weren't as sort of worried about getting him one out in the in the in the, the zone they were playing in defence. I thought. Yeah, I agree with that. I thought Stringer had. I I actually quite. A, I kind of like the game that Stringer ended up having because after that first week and all the press that he got, he didn't have a shocker. He had a quiet game and managed to grind out like actually being a, a decent contributor. And I thought that was a really good sign. Yeah, definitely. Um, now we travel over to the west for a very interesting result. Frio went down to the Gold Coast Suns by 26 points. Now, lots to talk about in this game. The first one, I think, is that the Suns won with Ablett playing a fairly, by his standards, fairly average game. I think he only had like 23 touches or something. He wasn't the, the damaging player he normally is. That was kind of scary to think about (laughs) with Gold Coast. Oh, and you look at that team. I mean, They've got O'Meara still out, Swallow's out for the season, but you've got a couple of Jet players there who, if they could get into that midfield, I mean, Gold Coast should be good though. I mean, Gold Coast should be, you know, a team that is like a team that we should all be talking about for the eight this year. They had a terrible season last year, but the year before, they were a team that was, you know, going to play finals and they should be a team that's going to play finals this year. Yeah, definitely. They had uh, a, a few players pop up um, and do really well for them. There was that, oh, what's his name? Oh, I've forgotten it already. Hunt Hurt. The kid is like a top 10 draft pick. Should we look it up? Or They're all bother? top 10 draft picks. It's the Gold Coast. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> like the, but, the better way to identify a Gold Coast player is like, he's the one who wasn't a top 10 draft pick. <laughs> Can you believe Campbell Brown used to play for the Gold Coast? That seems like a... 
a weird thing now. Well, they had that first like lot. They had a few of that kind of Brisbane bear yeah. bear style, you know. Yes, it was very. It felt very. It felt very Brisbane bear. It felt like they had some top up players. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, it felt like there's a few players who were like, well, I've only got, really got two or three years left in me. I'm, I'm cashing in my chips now. I'm going to the Gold Coast. <laughs> it was an early reti- Basically, it was an early retirement. Yeah. I, look, I was going to move to the Gold Coast anyway, and this gets up, me up there, tax avoidance, uh, a couple of years early. So what do you think about uh, a Gold Coast Suns that can travel? I mean, look, I, I, I expect they'll be around about the finals this year. I reckon Gold Coast and GWS, one of those teams will probably make the finals this year. And I think that's good. I think one of them should make the finals this year. I, I'm not entirely intimidated by Gold Coast, though. I think they're, they're, I, I feel like they're a good, a good team, but I don't know if they're a top four team. Nah, you don't get that vibe. Um, so Frio went down at Penis Stadium. Yeah, the penises were what half masked. <laughs> deflate. They it should was, deflate uh, the cocks if they lose. It's kind of weird. They seem lethargic or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but they just don't have that. A couple of years ago, even maybe last year, I didn't see that many games, but it felt like they just had a lot more pace. But they just, they, they move the ball slowly and they, it's almost like back to that old school Ross line when he was at St Kilda was ultra defensive and just no leg speed on the outside. Like it's, I don't know, um, can the whole team like have a hangover? <laughs> That's what it sort of feels like. Two close years of, you know, being minor premiers and, and then this year it's like, uh, we're going to do it again. Is there a chance? I mean, cause Ross Lyon is a great coach. Is there a chance that they won, they won the first nine or whatever last year and they ended up minor premiers like two or three games ahead of everybody else at the end of the season, but they didn't win the, they mm. didn't make the grand final and they certainly didn't win the premiership. Is there any school of thought? And this is a worrying thing with the Bulldogs is it's rare, rare the team that is the best team in round one goes on to win the actual premiership because it's a really long season. So is there any chance that they're just, they've got a different preparation? Yeah, I think that. That could be a good a, a good point. Like it's not like they're like they wouldn't be tr- loading training or anything like that now. But it might be something to do with the program that sort of is just keeping them slowing them down. Maybe they found in the final series that they were just they were too battered by the time they got there. So it could be something. I mean, I don't know. You're sort of rolling the dice though that early in the season. I mean, if they lose next week, then I mean, how many teams come from you know zero and three and then go on to finish in the top four yeah but they're going to be fresh in september when they're on holiday in bali so (laughs) (laughs) maybe they've found that they just really haven't enjoyed their end of season trip in the last few years because they've been so buggered by winning all those games during the season that by the time they get there they can't enjoy themselves yeah and they're from western australia so bali's only like a three-hour flight just you know what let's not wasting time (laughs) let's get there now now i think um like fife was better this week and you know now that fife's you know, back and, and firing again, then he'll lift them a bit. Is, is Stephen Hill playing at the moment? Uh, uh, Fife played last week. I know he played last week, but he was a bit oh, ordinary right. first week up, I thought, but he played yeah. really well this week. Yeah. Did you, did you see that goal he missed, like running into an open goal, very un-Fife-like? No, I, I didn't see any of the game. Oh, right, yeah. Well, he missed a goal from directly in front. That was very un-Fife-like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I feel like I've caught up. All right, should we move on to the next game, which was on Sunday? It was the Giants taking on the Cats, and uh, how a week changes the face of football. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was great. I mean, Stevie J. I mean, it was always going to be a lot of interest in that game because Stevie J had been called selfish after the first game, and I loved his press conference. And when he goes, 
mate, look at my career. And he almost basically, he almost basically <laughs> said, I've always been like this. I am selfish. <laughs> I'm Stevie J. It's on, did you not say my last game for Geelong? I was selfish in that game. And of course I'm selfish. That's what you bought. You bought a guy who's going to be selfish. And then he was beautifully selfish in this game. And, uh, if you were Joel Selwood, do you like playing against him knowing that you would have played with him in a side in which he did stuff that made you go fucking Stevie J. So the chance to play against him must be like, oh, there's been like eight years of fucking handballs that weren't passed and all that kind of stuff that you could just take out with one hip and shoulder. No, because the way that Stevie J plays is much like Lex Luthor's plot in uh, Batman versus Superman, Colin Dawn of Justice, in that it makes no sense. You never know when something good's going to happen or something terrible's going to happen. And I think that's what makes him such a damaging player is that it's not predictable that he'll bugger something up. When he gets it, he could either kick it over his head or yeah, kick it over 100%. his head for a goal. Um, what did you think of Paddy Dangerfield's uh, difficult second album? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing about Dangerfield. He's, he likes the big crowds. And you can't take a guy from 85,000 people at the MCG, you know, and, you know, best on ground with one of the best games of all time, and then send him to fucking Canberra to play. I mean, this is a Broadway performer. You know what? Even Hugh Jackman, if he's doing a gig, you know, in Queanbeyan, might phone it in a little that yeah, night. Yeah, it, uh, it was one of those things where the commentators weren't explicitly stating it, but they were kind of saying, well, after last week's game, like maybe he hasn't got much left in the tank. And it's like... He's a professional athlete. I'm sure he's got plenty in the tank. I think GWS were just a lot better than what we maybe gave him credit for. They, they're so skillful. Like those guys play one of the best running games you'll ever see because they can kick in every direction and they never miss a target. And then they're fucking fast off halfback as well. Like that was basically how they beat the Cats. It was on the spread a lot of the time is they just get the ball at halfback and then run in every direction knowing that they'll be pinpoint and, and too fast the opposition. Yeah, I, I reckon they're going to be a pretty good team this year, GWS. I, I didn't think they were that terrible first time up and I think this week they proved that they're going to they're going to beat a lot of really good football teams this year. And I like them. I like the way they play. It's an exciting... I mean, I love Leon Cameron. Like, I loved him when he was at the Bulldogs and I'm really glad that he's having success with them. But I like the way he played and you can see a lot of the way that he played yeah. in the way that they played. Did play, you see um, Tom Hawkins' goal? Uh it was the greatest goal I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, here's it what was I crazy great. Is it goal of the year if you did not <laughs> intend to kick it? Because he clearly was not trying to kick a goal then. He was trying to center the ball. Uh, firstly, uh, he did exactly what he intended to do, Charlie. Uh, the ball dropped awkwardly outside the 50-meter mark. And as he practiced for years, the drop kick, the place kick... Uh, he, he nailed it perfect. I mean, it was crazy. He was outside the 50 and the ball just dropped in front of his foot and he waved his massive leg at it and he kicked it. Like, but this is, this is why I'm going to give him like, you know, credit for goal of the year. Cause even if he just centered it to the top of the square and somebody had marked that, that was still a 40, 50 meter, just great punt. Like it didn't roll from the 30 meter mark. He kicked it most of the yeah, way for a goal. It was awesome. But he didn't mean to do it. So it can't be goal of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the com Does I think that one of the commentators actually said it best when he kicked it. He said, Oh my god, he's hit that flush which is like a golfing term, right? He hit it full face with the club. It was just the perfect strike, perfect timing. It was amazing. Alright, on your theory then, 
does it not count as a hole in one if a goal, golfer gets a hole in one? Because even the most cocky golfer isn't aiming for the hole when they like hit it down there. So if you get a goal a hole in golf, a hole in one, that still counts. You still get your car for your hole in one. You should get your car for goal of the year. Prosecution requests an adjournment. <laughs> Uh, this is like Tuesday Night Tribunal. I've got my legal representative in to argue the case. We've got some biodynamic experts, and they're like, well, you can actually see here that his eyes were looking at the goals at the moment of impact, which means that his intention was at least partly Did you ever to kick, kick a, a goal, goal that you did not mean to kick in a game where you are meant to be centering it or something, and it just went through and you took credit for it? I know exactly <laughs> the goal. I know exactly what you're talking about. So um, it was in a... It wasn't the grand final, but it was a semi-final, I think, or like a preliminary final. It was like a big final. And uh, it was under 15s. And I got the ball in the middle of the ground and I went to kick a torpedo to down into like, you know, the forward line, basically. And I just hit that kick in a way that I'd never before and never after hit a kick before. And it sailed probably 60 metres and went for a goal. And the write-up... <laughs> In the Hayfield News that week, it was like my first taste of positive press. Like they were like, until an inspiring captain's goal by Will Anderson out of the centre, and I was like, "Wow!" I mean, I'll take it. But to be honest, I was just trying to kick it as far I don't know as if you I guys could. saw, but my eyes were closed at the time. <laughs> uh, next game up on that on Sunday was uh, supposed to be game of the round, but it turned out to be just kind of disappointing again was the, uh, the grand final replay, which if you win, Will, you know it avenges yeah. the previous year's loss. They yeah, hand over the a, cup and the flag. That's an odd quirk of the AFL. It, well, it's like the what's, the, what's the belt in wrestling where you can be challenged for it at I all times? Know, Intercontinental? Uh, yeah, there's one, there's one belt where basically at any stage, if somebody, if there's a referee around and they pin you for three seconds, that, that you can get that belt. And that's what it's like with the grand final replay. If you win the grand final replay, they have to hand everything over, all the medallions. They have another ceremony after the game. And instead of the kids handing the medals, the actual players have to hand the I medals. I love that. To I the love the person. idea that as the premiership winning team, another team can challenge you to a game of football at any time and any place. And if they beat you, you have to hand over the cup. And maybe you can like adapt it. So it's like if three players turn up, you'd play like three on three, like a sort of half court kind of thing. Or you have a, like a goal kicking comp or something. Like Hawthorne have to be switched on all the time because they're constantly getting challenged. Okay. So in football, what we have at the moment is we have uh, the premiership, which is the major thing, but we also have the minor premiership, which is for the club that wins the most games during the year. And if we were playing like, uh, British football, um, then uh, what you would have is the people who are, have the most wins at the end of the year, they get to be the, you know, they're the couple. That's actually yeah. the most respected one, right? So we could add a third element, which is a during season premiers <laughs> yes. roving yes. sort of title. F- it's the, it's so- the fluid premiership cup. <laughs> Right, yeah. They're the round four That's premiers. That's a great idea. That keeps the game more interesting. But I just get the feeling Hawthorne would win that one too, and then Bucking would never hear the end of it from Michael Chamberlain. <laughs> well, they start with it. The previous year's premiers have it in the first round. But from then on, any other club can challenge the person who has it. 
They don't have to. You've only got yeah. one challenge per season, but you can challenge the... T- it's like a title fight, like in the UFC or whatever. You can co- sort of go, we're, I'm sure we're sixth ranked guy, but this week we're going to go up against the first ranked guy, and if we beat them, we're, so co- we're the title does, holder. So the, if the title... That works if the title changes hands every week, because you can have a new club challenging you know, the new title holder. But what if Hawthorne holds on to it? Are they playing the challenge games and the regularly scheduled fixture as well? Are they playing like midweek? There's like a midweek game? No, no, no. So what happens is, in my plan anyway, we can workshop this with Eddie sure. McGuire because he'll have opinions. But um, <laughs> uh, Hawthorne start with it. And so say, for example, uh, who did Hawthorne? I'll oh, say first week up, Cats play Hawthorne, Easter Monday, right? Geelong could say, we're going to challenge yep. t- today Hawthorne. But Geelong only have one right. challenge okay. all year, you've got to remember, right? So Geelong strategy-wise might go, well... Maybe we'll hit uh, a weaker team yeah, that yeah, actually yeah. is holding it at a different time. So we'll keep our challenge up our sleeve. Or they could have gone with it. So Geelong could have been the title holders. And then GWS have to decide, are we going to play our yeah. challenge card this weekend yeah. up against the people who have it? That's I like it. a little it. bit more excitement like it. into it. Trademark, two guys, one cup. <laughs> yeah, that, that idea is 50% mine. Uh but it was uh, it was an eerily reminiscent uh, uh, game from the grand final, wasn't it? Like the margin was exactly the same, and Hawthorne just never looked challenged. Hawthorne looked angry. Hawthorne looked pissed off that we doubted them. Hawthorne was like uh, Old Testament God who just brought down wrath. It was like, you dare defy us? You dare question your Lord and Savior Hawthorne Football Club? We are going to destroy whoever you put in front of us. We are an unhappy <laughs> team at Hawthorne this week. We are a wrathful team at Hawthorne. Yes. They actually sang that. We're, the song a, wrathful the We're a wrathful team at Hawthorne. Hawthorne just looked like... It was It was really interesting during the week. I saw Jordan Lewis interviewed on AFL 360. And um, uh, when they asked him if like it was all over for Hawthorne, never has a guy given people <laughs> less... Like, even entertaining that that was an idea. Like, he just was kind of, he was just like, shut up. Like, see, like he, may, he might as well yeah, have right. just said scoreboard. Yeah. Check your history books, fellas. Yeah, We're they, fine. They, we'll look, be fine. They, just, they look fucking tough again. That's the thing that, I mean, they've got so many skillful players. But what you forget is when they hit you, you, you stay down. Like, it was just, oh, actually, well, speaking of that, one thing we skipped over in the Geelong uh, Giants game was Mummy's hit. Holy shit. Was that, for a second there, I thought it was The Undertaker laying a tombstone on someone. It was devastating. I was like, has WrestleMania come one day early? Because this is crazy what just happened. He, it was it Mitch so. Duncan who was. Oh, no, it doesn't matter anymore. He he's dead. Yeah. He, yeah. he's dead. Like literally, he, he tackled him and then you saw a puff of smoke. In the shape of Mitch Duncan, and then yeah, it just Mitch, floated away. If you, if you like, do it an was aerial, co- you'll just see, like, it looks like a comet has landed in the turf. No, that's just where Mummy drove Mitch Duncan into the ground. I think he re- reached the Earth's core. I think later on in the game, someone twisted their ankle <laughs> in the Duncan hole. It was, um, it was the, ki- <laughs> it was it was the kind of hit. Crazy. Where, 
he didn't even look hurt because it hurt so much. Like, even to acknowledge that he was hurt, he just didn't move. It was one of those things where, it, well, at the time, he was dealing with the fact that he'd actually travelled backwards in time. So it took him a little while to catch up with the present moment because he's suddenly like, hang on, I'm back in pregame. What happened? I got hit so hard, I'm doing the warm-up. I'm running through the banner. Okay, I'm how back, much, I'm back. How I'm much back. must mummy weigh? It was like, crazy. Like, 120 kilos. And he hit him at a clip. I'd like, it so. wasn't like, you know, a standing start. Like, he, I think mummy's eyes lit up. He just, just like those legs started chugging like a steam train. And fuck it. Because the thing about it, like, you see those kind of tackles happen all the time, especially with a big player. And they can so often get him around the head. This one, if you look at it, because I watched it a lot, he goes chest first. It's like an old school, like, <laughs> cowboy Neil chest first tackle where he literally, the reason he doesn't hit him in the head is because he collides the front of his chest. With Duncan's, with Duncan's chest, but hits him full barrel and then puts the arms around him and then falls on top of him. Like, there's lumberjacks who have had less terrifying instances of large things falling on them. It was just amazing. I mean, that's what Mummy's going to do when he finishes football. He's actually going to become a lumberjack. He's just going to run into trees and tackle them to the ground. It was, it was insane. Who's the X-Men, like- uh, the one who headbutts his way through things? Juggernaut. Yeah, it was fucking juggernaut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was like, it was to the point where I think Mitch Duncan after the game had to get, uh, <laughs> mummy's insurance details because he's going to make a claim on the damage that was done to him. I mean, it's like, I think mummy has to get third party insurance before he plays a game. On the plus side, crazy. you'll never get scared of being tackled again by anyone but him because it's just going to all feel like nothing compared to that. Like, that's going to be the, that's the hardest you'll ever get hit in your entire career, you'd think. Oh, uh, I feel like Mitch Duncan, like, even if he's fine now, will have weeks afterwards where he just like wakes up in a, like a sweat and yeah. remembers what happened like he'll have yeah. post-traumatic yeah, he'll stress have P- like after this he'll I think. Have like he won't even be able to post-traumatic mummy disorder <laughs> he won't even be able to watch <laughs> the movie the mummy without breaking out in a sweat he won't be able to go on that mummy ride at universal studios without losing his, his mother mind. on mother's day <laughs> I'm sorry, Mum. I have to call you on Father's Day now because of that tackle. You remember? Uh, yeah. So back to Hawthorne West Coast. Uh, it was just um, West Coast. Just it's it's weird. They, they look so good at home, uh, but on the MCG and against a like Hawthorne, they just they didn't they didn't look as good as they can. I don't know if they're intimidated or what. But Hawthorne have this thing, and it's like a club you know, mantra kill, or, kill, motto kill, or whatever. Kill, but kill, basically kill. once Hawthorne are the team that watched the yeah, karate totally. kid and buried for the Cobra Kai. <laughs> Sweep his legs, Hodgie. Um they have this thing apparently if they beat you in a grand final, they then believe that you know yeah. they're your bogey team. They're everyone's bogey team, but they and they like reinforcing the fact that you can't beat them. It's basically them saying, Okay, you know what? You're one of our main opponents, and Actually, you that, can't beat us. That reminds they're, me they're about, an amazing uh, team. something else from an early game that we didn't touch on. Uh, did you see the footage of Trent Cotchin chatting to Adam Trelaw during the Richmond-Collingwood game? Excellent. Yes. Did you hear what, did you yes. hear what Matthew Lloyd, like the whole yeah. revelation of the thing? It was the best. Because basically Trelaw, who said that uh, Collingwood, he went to Collingwood because Collingwood had a better list and more chance of the finals than Richmond... And then when there was like six minutes to go, Trent Cotchin, who doesn't really strike me, by the way, no. as someone who's a bit lippy with that. It strikes me like Koch- Cotchin <laughs> thought that he should go and 
have a bit of a go at that. So he's gone over, like, I'll be the captain, I'll go over, I'll give him a sledge. I've been working on this sledge all week, and I've memorised my sledge. I've been doing some research on the when, history when of sledges. When did Jane Cotchin turn into Kevin Rudd? I mean, that's what I feel like he is a bit. Like, I mean, even his hair, which is meant to look kind of young and groovy, but it looks like what somebody's read a book about what people's young and groovy hair looks like. Like, he's, he looks a bit like an alien living on Earth who's trying is, to be like a footballer. Are you saying like Trent Cotchin is two guys, one cup's nerd? He's our resident nerd. Right. <laughs> nerd! Nerd! <laughs> <laughs> well, he is, though. He's a, like a total nerd. And I'm sure he would have studied up his sledge because he's like, well, I've got to be a good captain. I've been a bit criticised for not yeah, having mongrel and leadership. So I've looked up what good captains do and they sledge. And I've got a dusty, good one dusty. about Adam's law. Is there anything Law. I should say? <laughs> Oh, no, I couldn't possibly say that. that that's way too far. <laughs> oh, oh, Dustin. Uh, <laughs> what, are you, what, are, what are these prison rules you're talking? No, I don't think so. These are not... I don't even know how to... Does that have a C or a K at the start? I... <laughs> so the last game of the round was Carlton versus Sydney. Uh, expected result. But I thought for the second week in a row, Carlton looked pretty good I've in f- patches. I feel if you're a Carlton fan, you, there's a bit to like about this season. You know, there's some fun players. There's some obviously some really good young players. They seem to be playing yeah. with a little bit more of a structure. And I think Sydney are awesome. So I don't think they were ever going to yeah. beat Sydney. No. Uh, can I ask you? <laughs> yes. It's kind of depressing. But do you think Carlton are about as good as St Kilda or worse? That is depressing. Yeah. See, that, that was my takeaway from this weekend was like, last week I thought we actually looked a step above. We looked sort of round Melbourne kind of level, a bit below the Bulldogs. But I thought the, we put in about the same amount of effort as, as Carlton. And it's like Carlton were widely tipped to finish last. Okay, here's what I will say. Um, and I know what you mean. When your team isn't going well, you suddenly start to go, who are we better than? You s- yes. <laughs> It's all I've got. <laughs> uh, I think St Kilda, I mean, it's hard to know how good the Bulldogs are, but let's just then imagine for a second that the Bulldogs are as good as people are saying that they are and that people are genuinely mm. as impressed. I don't think, I think St Kilda played a pretty tough team. I think St Kilda are a better team than Carlton. I think St Kilda are still at a point in their evolution. I mean, you've got a couple of gun play, like Stevens, for example, like every mm. time he got the ball, like the other night, I was like, oh, like guys this good, our structure still isn't good enough against someone who's clearly got this much class and can break the game that a player like this has. No, I think St Kilda, mm. I think they'll be all right. I, I mean, I feel like maybe they'll win about the same amount of games as last year rather than more though, which I guess in some yeah. ways is a little disappointing. Well, I get, yeah. I mean, you can't sort of discount to the fact that we should have had a ready-made centre-half back. Like, if we had Jake Carlisle, I think that definitely against Port, that's what we really lacked in that last quarter was just having, like, a big, strong backman when we're under siege. And so I think that maybe has thrown plans into disarray. We have Hugh Goddard as the next centre-half back that we're grooming, but he's still a bit young. He's not sort of ready for that role. So I think maybe that would have just thrown a spanner in the works a little bit. Did you see Jake Carlisle sitting up... Not in the box, but in the in one of the other boxes during the game. No. So they they went to him during the game, and oh my god, he has terrible fashion sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like terrible. Uh, well, of of all his bad choices, <laughs> I don't think the clothes he wears are his biggest problem. <laughs> I was like, mate, but he looked, he rocked up looking like a guy who'd do coke on Snapchat. Like, I was like, he was, he was basically three years away from having worn an Ed Hardy t-shirt to the game. It was doing nothing for his public image. (laughs) Uh, Buddy was on fire again. How, it's weird, isn't it, that Buddy doesn't have like the physique of most other footballers. Like he has, a very unique physique, unique to Buddy. I guess when you've got those dimensions, you're six foot six and 105 kilos, whatever, your body's just going to find its own level. It's not going to look like everyone else's. But I was watching him running around. It's like, if I just saw him, like, you know, not in, in like a, a sports uniform, just in like a t I might think that he's not an athlete. <laughs> like, he's got like this bit of paunch and a fairly undeveloped chest. And you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't look like a natural athlete. I do know what you mean. Like, he has an unusual body shape and I think it's what yeah. <laughs> I don't want to don't want to body shame your buddy I know he's already had some issues let's not you know now he's like yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Will and point. Charlie didn't like the shape of my body either it's not about my body guys <laughs> it's about what I can do on the football field stop 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 belly shaming me just because Charlie is in the best shape of his life actually that you know what you, you are probably well, technically in better nick than Buddy Franklin. Well, you know, externally, but when it comes to actual athletic ability, I mean, he's an amazing athlete. But it's just like, you know those boxers? There's certain boxers who are really, like, fat, but they're really, really good boxers. It's like some people, that physique doesn't lend itself to being a great athlete. Buddy's, like, living proof. I think Tom Rockliffe, for the captain of the Brisbane Lions, he always looks like one of those guys who are like, is your... Is your jumper just a bit small for you or like, <laughs> but he's an amazing player and I'm sure it's, I'm sure he's as fit as anyone is out there, but he just has that sort of look where you don't. Stewie Dew in his final years at Hawthorne, that looked like they just got a barrel and pulled a Hawthorne jumper over it and then flung it through the air. Like he was enormous, but like such a good player. Yeah. I think, you know, the thing about Buddy also is that Sydney Swans uniform is not not flattering. Not flattering. No. Like, he did, never looked that... Because Hawthorne have got that sort of brown and yellow vertical stripes thing. Like, he always looked... I mean, sorry, uh, horizontal stripes, right? Yeah, horizontal stripes. Uh, no, no, vertical. Hang on. Hang on. I know, Hawthorne. Yeah, Hawthorne are vertical. Horizontal means... Vertical, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah that's right. <laughs> Verticals up and down, well, horizontals, like, side to side. Okay, so which one's your left and your right? <laughs> what? No. I was like, how stupid am I? That was <laughs> which one's north, which one's east? Um, <laughs> so I thought the, that, that uniform's not flattering. Like a white, a skin tight no. white uniform with like red and stuff. Like, you know, it's just not a flattering uniform, I don't think. Oh, I don't know about that. Old Lockie Weller was just poured into that Frio uniform. I mean, he looked. Isn't he the world's most handsome fucking dude? Jesus Christ. I mean, he's almost too handsome to play football. Yeah, he is. Fuck off. Don't be good at two things. Be good at one thing. Well, also... Be good looking, but terrible. Also, don't ruin your pretty face. Like, foot, yeah. footy's for ugly people. There's so many ugly... Yeah. Like, have a look at David Hale, and then fuck <laughs> off. Like, he looks basically <laughs> like someone Frankenstein's monster wouldn't date, and then we have fucking young James Franco running around also yeah. being good at athletics. Fuck you. Stop being so hot <laughs> and good. Good at athletics. He's tremendous at athletic endeavour. Um, okay, so before we uh, finish up, let's take a, just yep. a quick uh, sneak peek at uh, round three. So first up, we have Port Adelaide versus Essendon. 
um, at Adelaide Oval. Now, suffice to say, must win game. I don't. I can't see Port losing this one. Uh, I mean, if if they did, I mean, if they did, that'd be. I love Ken Hinckley, and I don't want him to. You know, but if Suffer. if they lost against Essendon, uh, no, they they won't lose. Port won't lose at home against Essendon. That's I reckon Port easy that one. That it'll and people will start to go. I oh, know Port are okay. Uh, Saturday, St Kilda versus Collingwood in the grand final replay from fifty years ago. You should be able to challenge on that as well. <laughs> go into the game and go. All right, we're playing our nineteen fifty challenge, and they have to go back and change the history books. <laughs> and bring out and bring out all the original players too. That's a thing. You've got to keep the same team. No, all the surviving players have to present the medals. All the surviving players. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. All the. Um, yeah. Okay. Go on. I, I, so I would hope for a, a better showing uh, this week. I don't know. Collingwood. Uh, look, they could have just them winning last week. They had to, you know, fight for it. It might be a snapback, or maybe it's the start of like a momentum build. Who knows? But. I wouldn't be surprised to see if it's a lot closer. I don't think I don't think Collingwood are going to smash us. I think if St Kilda gets beaten badly this week, then something's seriously wrong for the way we've started the year. Because I don't think I don't think you can have two games like the Bulldogs game in a row, and I don't think Collingwood are as good as the Bulldogs or maybe even Port Adelaide. So we should be more competitive this week. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say St Kilda's first win of the season. Ooh, you've upset Scott Dooley. I know that for a fact. Did I tell you that he's uh, accepted his role as uh, uh, James Heard in the telly movie? Oh, I mean, that's good news. At least we've locked in the lead role. <laughs> now we've got to cast Car- Caro and Robbo. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next game is Richmond versus Adelaide at Etihad. Uh, yeah, at Etihad. So, I don't know. Crows looked fucking good last week. Richmond are f- back in flaky mode. Richmond are now, like... Yeah, they they can't lose this game, I don't think. Can they? Is it too early to, to hit the fucking panic button? They will lose. There is no doubt in my mind that Adelaide will win that. Really? Yeah. Why do you think? I just don't know if Richmond are that good, and I think that last week's going to have thrown them. And I think Adelaide at Etihad, that's a good ground for the style of game they play. I, I think four forwards on Etihad, I just don't think that Richmond are going to be able to stop them. They've got one great backman, Rance, so he goes to Tex... And then you've got three other guys who can just keep kicking goals. Nah, I reckon Adelaide. I'm going to go out and say I think Richmond. I think Richmond will get it together. The bandwagon will hang together at least for this week. But I think that they'll be... What will be the real interest and the the great drama of this game will be if Richmond are in front by three or four goals with 10 minutes to go in the last quarter. That's when I think it's going to get exciting. Like, cause if you're a Crows player, you're going to be like, Oh, we just need to put the heat on them like Collingwood last week. So you could almost just tune into the last quarter if it's, if, if it's the margins around the same mark. That's and, going to be the most exciting part. And look, I hope, uh, much like they mic'd, uh, Nick, uh, Nick Rewalt in the, uh, pregame, uh, before that game, I think I, I'd like them to mic, uh, Trent Cotchin for his sledges in this game <laughs> because I think he's, he'll be working really hard on them this week. He'll be like, Oh, Patrick doesn't play for you anymore. Yeah, I hear. Uh, uh, I hear your dog has no nose. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Cadbury chocolate is better than Hague's chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I quite liked the ending of The Sopranos. The Westgate Bridge is better than the footbridge. Uh, the next game is Giants versus Swans, which I reckon Derby, Derby. I reckon it's going to be a Battle of oh, the Bridge. A, it's going to be a, 
Yeah, Battle of the Bridge. It's going to be a belter. I reckon that's going to be a really good game. It's at the SCG, so that ball's going to be fucking oh. flying around like a pinball there. Like two teams with as many skilled midfielders as that. It's going to be quick as shit. It's going to be good to watch, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon that's ga- that, that could well be... That and the Bulldogs-Hawthorne game are going to be two of the best games of the round, I would think. You'd hope. I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to pick Giants for that game. I reckon the Swans are on a roll. And I still think they want to okay. beat the Giants and be the number one Sydney team, so I'm going to say Swans. Up at Metricon... The Suns take on the Mighty Blues. Uh, I just reckon that Gold Coast won't lose this. No. They can't really. If, this, if they're serious about finals, they've got to win this game. I think Carlton will do what they've done the last two weeks, which is stay in touch for three quarters or so and then lose by about five goals. But, um, yeah, I can't. Could you possibly foresee an upset? Uh, I mean, Carlton have three Irish players in their team and they're going to the Gold Coast. So, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is a major problem for them. Uh, at least it's not Cairns, but I feel like that's really going to suck the energy out of those guys. So no, I reckon Gold, well, Gold Coast need to win this. Yeah. I mean, if they're a decent team and they're going to be a good team, they should beat Carlton. Awesome. Uh, West Coast versus Frio, the derby in the West. Um, it's, that's going to be a belter no matter what. It yep. always is. Yeah. But I don't know. I actually can't pick it. I get the feeling that maybe because Frio have played two bad games in a row that Ross Lyon would be fucking terrifying this week. Like, if I was a Frio player, I'd be like, well, I'm not worried about getting dropped. I'm worried about him killing me if we don't win this week. So I reckon they've got extra motivation. Ross Lyon's been going around to all these players' houses and much like those like yeah. sort of mafia, he's just going, hey, you've got, yeah. you got a pretty nice family, I see. Be yeah. a real... Pity if, oh, I like your daughter. Is that a pony? Oh, it'd be a real pity if anything happened to the pony or her, I guess. But, well, let's just see how the weekend goes. Uh. Uh, on Sunday, the Mighty Shinboners take on the Demons, which, again, that's another interesting game because uh, this is another game for North Melbourne to stamp their top four credentials. Um, and I think that would be done with, what, like a five-goal victory? Yep. Over Melbourne. They'll win by four five or five goals. goals. Um, North Melbourne aren't like Richmond. I don't ever doubt... Like, I find it hard to pick an upset when a team's playing North. Like, I find it hard to tip against North when they're the... When they're the... the, the, the what's what's the opposite of an underdog? They're the... <laughs> favourite. The favourite. But they're not kind favorite. of the favourite. Yeah. Like, North Melbourne are always just like, oh, yeah, he's here. Okay, well, he could win yeah. this. Yeah. North Melbourne are like Turkish Delight. No one's favourite. Right. <laughs> really. It's just... Just making up the numbers. I like to think that... North, uh, you know what North Melbourne are? North Melbourne, if they're a band, North Melbourne are muse. Because they're one of those bands oh, that yeah. you're like, ah, oh, I don't really want to download the album. But if you're at a festival and you see them, you're like, geez, they're pretty yeah. good, actually. I've yeah, never really that yeah. been into North Melbourne. But you know what? Now that I've seen them live, they are actually pretty good. <laughs> uh, do you think Melbourne will go into this game with big heads? I mean, let's hope their heads aren't too small. Because if their heads are too yeah. small, they'll all go into the game playing like uh, Joe Danaher. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, next game is possibly game of the round. Uh-huh. The Mighty Bulldogs versus Hawthorne. Etihad Stadium, 320. That's going to be a cracker, I reckon. Unless the Bulldogs... The only thing, the only other way... I either see a high-scoring, free-flowing game with people trying to break the zone back and forth, or... Hawthorne just come out and terrify the shit out of your young players and then get ascendancy quite early. I mean, that that could happen. Like, I, I want to see if that free-running game style applies against a team that is as good as Hawthorne. Like, 
the greatest moment like I've seen on a football field for so long was when Joe Hannison stole that ball like you know last week and then took uh, you know two bounces down the field and it was like watching our own Rioli or our own like player of that mm. class. So if he can do that against a team that's that good, but there's also there's going to be a suspicion that Hawthorne. Like, you know, we'll want to go, everyone's talking about the Bulldogs and we're just going to go out here and just go, hey, you know, there's still some big dogs in this town. So look, I'm going to, well, I'm going to back, I'm going to back the Bulldogs every weekend, but this is obviously, I'm really looking forward to it, to be honest. I'm glad they're in good form because I want to see where we're at. And if we lose, then it'll be a good, like, you know, kind of check of, okay, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. You know, that we're still not as good as Hawthorne. And if we manage to win, then... I mean, obviously, I can't come to Podfest, so fuck you all. I've got to watch us win a grand final and be happy for the first time in my life. <laughs> final game of the round is uh, the Geelong Avatars taking on the Brisbane Lions. Uh, that's skilled stadium, so that's oh, that that could get ugly. Yeah, I feel, especially because Geelong. I mean, what's Paddy Dangerfield going to be like at skilled stadium? I mean, we've seen him on the expanse of the MCG. What about a smaller ground? You know, where he can just fucking get to any spot of the ground. In, he's like the Flash. He's like Barry Allen. He can get anywhere in like a microsecond. Well, my favorite thing about it is that it's his first game at Skilled Stadium. And, you know, Geelong obviously are so excited to have him there. So the crowd are going to be on his side. But it's not the first time he's got a good reception at Skilled Stadium. Because they played their last game, Adelaide, at Skilled Stadium. And then after the game, the Geelong crowd, because they knew he was coming to Geelong, all just cheered Paddy Dangerfield. So he already knows he's got him on side. He was literally playing for the opposition and they loved him. And plus, I mean, we see that he doesn't travel as well. You know, he got up to Canberra. He wasn't as good. Uh, he was pretty good when he had only had to go from Geelong down to the MCG. But when he has to go just from Moggs Creek straight to Skilled Stadium, I mean, all that energy he saved, I'm going to say he's going to get 60 touches and Geelong will probably win by a lot. Yeah, I think so too. Um, all right, well, that rounds up this episode of the show. Uh, I just uh, want to plug a little uh, show I'm doing uh, Junk Time AFL Pod, our good friends, Michael Chamberlain and Adam Rosenbachs, um, are doing a, a live show on Sunday at the Imperial from 3.30, I believe, and I'm going to be one of the... What do you call it? Not a panellist, you're a guest. I'm going to be a guest on the show. I well, think there's a couple of us coming down. I believe that uh, I'm on that as well. I think so. Oh, really? Yeah, I think... Oh, well, I, I think it's communication. A, I think it's a crossover episode. I think that's the idea. That oh, it was holy be shit. Two Guys, One Cup meets Junk Time AFL Podcast. Two, two Guys... Two guys, one junk time. Right. This is our, <laughs> it's all about the junk. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's what's happening. Oh, that was what I thought was happening. Limo did get mad at me when I told him that because he goes, are you going to the Hawks Bulldogs game on the weekend? And I was like, well, I've got an early show, but also I'm doing uh, Michael and Rosie's podcast. And he goes, hang on. Your team is on top yeah. of the ladder and you're playing Hawthorne at Eddie had and yeah. you're doing a fucking podcast. And I was like, yeah. well, now when you say it like that, it feels weird. Up until then, I thought I was doing yeah. the right thing. But now it does feel a bit weird. It does feel a bit weird. Is that one of those things where sometimes, like, if the Saints are playing, I would rather tape it, right. find out the result, and then watch it without the angst of, are we going to win or lose this? Yeah. And, I, I mean, there'll be some tension in the air because, obviously, you know, Michael will you know want to know what's going on as well. So the game will be taking part as we do the... Uh, the podcast, so it should be should make some <laughs> for some quality podcasting. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, come down and check us out at that. And then if you, uh, the night before, if you're in Melbourne uh, and you're looking for something to do, we have another podcast uh, called Tofop. I'm assuming that most of you have found this podcast or maybe come over from Tofop. But if you haven't, uh, we have another show. It's pretty much like this, just uh, without football. And uh, we're doing a big live show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, April the 9th, which is Saturday night. 10.15 at the Comedy Theatre. Uh, Celia Pacola, Felicity Ward, Justin Hamilton, Lindsay Webb, Daniel Sloss, John Deeks is hosting the whole thing. And we have a special surprise guest. Uh, the first, we, uh, the first sort of 700 tickets flew out the door. And then we joked on the podcast last week, what if there's only that many people who want to come and they stop selling? Well, that was almost true. So there are still some <laughs> tickets available, but it's going to be absolutely awesome. It's going to be like, uh, even if you don't know the podcast, it'll just be a huge funny night of entertainment. So uh, get a ticket to that. That'll be really cool. And my show, Free Will, uh, sorry, Fire at Will, uh, is on, um, Free Will was last year. So only Mitch Duncan, who's gone backwards in time, can come and say that. But for the rest of you, Fire at Will is uh, this Thursday at the Sydney Opera House and uh, for the rest of the Melbourne Comedy Festival and then uh, first week of May in Perth. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. So Did we, come... we still don't have a sign off. Right. Hey, uh, Do you want... go teams. Yes, <laughs> we support and stuff. Yes. Trent Cotchin wrote that one. <laughs> We are two guys, one car.